So today we begin this third week of Advent. This year's Advent is the longest possible Advent because Christmas falls on a Sunday, so we get all four weeks of Advent. Um, of course, Advent is a time of what? It's a time of preparation for the arrival, the coming of God. We can talk about God's arrival, Jesus' arrival, in each of us in three different ways. You have the first coming of Jesus, which happened at Christmas. We'll be celebrating that in a couple weeks. Of God becoming flesh, God the Son becoming a human being, taking the name Jesus, coming to save us. So that's number one. Um, the second one, maybe it's the third, but the second one is the coming of Jesus at the end of time. The final coming, the last judgment. So we're preparing for that as well. We want to be ready for that day. Jesus says, stay awake. But then the saints talk about a third coming. And that's the coming that's happening now. So Jesus doesn't want to just draw close to us at Christmas and at the end of time. No, at every moment, the heart of God is a heart that wants to draw close to you. So right now, like right now, in this moment, Jesus is drawing near to you. And so we want to open our hearts and prepare them to receive the coming of God now. That's happening all the time. And not just during this four weeks of Advent. This four weeks is an, a time to be really intentional about that. But that's going on all the time. In some ways, Pope Benedict says, in some ways it's always Advent because God is always arriving. He's always coming. That's what the word Advent means. It means arrival. So he's always drawing near. Um, yeah, so in our readings, we're talking about what happens when God draws near. In the Bible, there was one person above every other person that prepared for the coming of Jesus Christ. That was, of course, John the Baptist. So we know that John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, Remember, when Mary finds out that she's going to conceive in her womb and bear a child, she also finds out that her cousin, it was probably a cousin once removed or something like that, because she was much, much, much older, and she was considered barren by everyone, and beyond the age of, of childbearing. So she finds out, though, that what? Elizabeth, her cousin, has a child, because what? Because nothing will be impossible for God. Amen? That's a good reminder. Isn't that nice? Nothing. Yeah, nothing's impossible for God. So when Mary goes and greets Elizabeth, John the Baptist is in Elizabeth's womb. That's the first time Jesus and his cousin meet. And John the Baptist leaps with joy in her womb at the presence, the arrival of Jesus. So even from the beginning, from before his birth, there's something about John the Baptist is his whole being is preparing for the coming of Jesus and to prepare his way. That's his total mission in life. At some point, we, we don't know how all this played out because we have these hidden years of John the Baptist, but he felt a call to go and live in the desert and just to be alone with God to pray. He might have joined this religious community called the Essenes, which was an ascetical community that lived kind of down by the Dead Sea, but lived in the desert. The desert is this place of, of encounter with God and encounter with evil and, and defeating evil within us. It's long been the practice that people that want to draw close to God will go out into the desert to be alone with God. So John the Baptist spends his whole life his whole life preparing for the coming of Jesus. And then something happens in him, and he just knows, okay, now is the time. And so then he goes out in the public and starts crying out everywhere to repent because the Christ is coming, the Messiah is coming. So John starts baptizing people. He baptizes them, not the way that we get baptized. He baptizes with, what, with what's called a baptism of repentance. That means people would come down to the water, they would acknowledge their sins, John the Baptist would plunge him in the water and come back up in an effort of saying, I'm, I'm leaving behind my life, I'm burying it in the water, and I'm going to start anew. Um, but John the Baptist knows that his baptism is different than the one that's coming. Because he says, I, I baptize you with water. 
But one is coming who is greater than I, who will baptize you with, with, with fire and the Holy Spirit. So he was just helping people repent, to, to, to turn their hearts to God, to prepare for his coming. And then Jesus comes on the scene, and John the Baptist kind of recedes. He says, he must increase, meaning Jesus must become more important because my whole life is to point to him. And he says, and I must decrease. So I kind of step out of the way. John the Baptist got in trouble because he was a truth teller and the king didn't want to hear the truth and so he's in prison at this part of the story. So the gospel today, we're well into the gospel of Matthew. Jesus is doing his ministry. John the Baptist is in prison and he sends word to Jesus because we're not sure exactly what's going on, but it's possible that John the Baptist is concerned or doubting whether he did his mission right. He's wondering whether he backed the wrong horse, okay? He had certain ideas of what the Messiah was going to do when he showed up. By the preaching of John the Baptist, it sounds like John the Baptist imagined that it was going to be a little more fiery, a little more cataclysmic right away. Now Jesus will come at the end of time to judge, to separate, uh, and so that, that's, that's coming still. But John the Baptist isn't sure what's going on, and so he's in prison. And remember, please, he spent his entire life, every fiber of his being, to prepare for the Messiah. And now he asks this question, like, is this the guy? So he sends out his disciples. People were drawn to him to follow him. And they go and ask Jesus, and they ask this question, are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? John the Baptist is like, even if I wasted my whole life on the wrong guy, I want to know who the Messiah is. Like, I want, I want to prepare the way for God. I want to know who he is. And then Jesus answers the question, uh, in some ways in this beautiful way, but drawing them to really see what's going on. Okay, again, John the Baptist isn't sure he's done what's right. He's have, having some doubt, perhaps. And Jesus says, go, go tell them in reply. Go tell John what you see and hear. And what's that? The blind can see, the lame can walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf can hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed. So what Jesus is showing us is what happens when God draws close. This was promised to us. In fact, it was promised many, many, many years previously, many hundreds of years in the book of the prophet Isaiah. So our first reading has to do with this promise that's being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And it says, when God draws close, what's going to happen? It's just like, just like life is going to burst forth. It says the desert, the desert will exult and the steppe will rejoice and bloom and there will be abundant flowers. We're talking about the desert, folks. That's sand, right? But when God comes close, it's like creation excel, itself comes to life with the presence of God. And that's not just true about creation about the earth what that's even more true about you and me when god comes when god draws near to us it affects us it gives us life so he says says the prophet isaiah here is your god who comes with vindication he comes to save you and then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the deaf will hear and the lame will leap like a stag and the tongue of the mute will sing Notice there's one thing missing from that list that happened when Jesus arrived. And what's that? Nobody expected it because they didn't think it was a possibility. The dead will be raised. So Jesus comes to bring life beyond what anybody could have hoped. So Jesus is saying to John, no, see, when I'm arriving, as I arrive, I'm bringing life. Transformation is happening and people's afflictions are being transformed by my presence 
So the coming of the Messiah wasn't exactly what John the Baptist thought it might be. He thought it might be a little more dramatic, even though these are some pretty dramatic things. But what is happening is the presence of God is bringing life. Okay, why is that important? Without Jesus Christ, you will die. You will die an eternal death. Why? Not just because of some rule or some commandment. No, it's because he is the life of your soul. Because you are made for God. And without God, everything will go wrong. So that's good news. Please don't hear it as bad news. No, that has to do with your dignity. You are so beautiful and good that the only thing that will fulfill your dignity is to be united to God himself. That's the mission of your life. And if you and I fail in that mission, and please know that that's God's job to do. We just receive it. So you don't have to figure that out. That's not your job. No, our job is to receive his coming, his advent. But if we fail in that, we will have failed in everything. Just utter, utter failure. But again, the good news is what? When Jesus comes, what does he want to give you? Life. More life than you have. You and I don't realize how dead we are inside. Jesus wants to give you life. We've become accustomed to walking around kind of blind and and lame and and deaf and, and leprous. We just got used to it. That's the state of sin. A friend of mine was an RA at a, I think in Lincoln, at a, in a dorm, and one night they found one of the residents passed out in the bathroom. It wasn't for the reason you're thinking. Um, she was sick, passed out. They had to go to the doctor, and eventually she had to have some of her intestines removed because she had an intestinal issue. Afterwards, shortly thereafter, my friend was able to visit with her and uh, asked her how she was doing, and she said, I'm doing really well. And she said, I never knew that it was possible to not hurt after you ate a meal. Her entire life, anytime she ate a meal, she just hurt afterwards. She never knew that that's not the way that's supposed to be. There's a lot of things that you and I are experiencing. Fear and loneliness and discouragement and doubt, anxiety and stress. It's not supposed to be that way. Something's wrong. And that's good news sometimes. It's good news to find out that something's wrong, as long as there's somebody that can make it right. Jesus, as he draws close, wants to give us life. I don't know why, but that's a, that's a hard truth to believe. Because I think a lot of us, at least me at times, I'm still afraid of him. I'm still afraid he wants to take something. Or he wants to be harsh to me or, or make life harder. No, no, no. No, he wants to bring life. Jesus says, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus comes and says, I am the way and the truth and the what? The life. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And without me, you'll die. You'll just die. And again, he doesn't say that with cruelty. He only says it with love. He only says it with generosity. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He knows you. He's drawing close to you. And he wants to give you life. So this Sunday, we rejoice. It's called Gaudete Sunday, the opening antiphon for the prayer, which we sing a hymn so we don't hear the antiphon, but it says, rejoice and be glad for the Lord. He's near. He's coming. And that's good news because he wants to make you alive. He wants to fill you with his own life to unite himself to you. 
So we want to receive him because I want to be more alive. And I think you do too. Yeah, so we don't have to be afraid. The only thing to fear is to be closed off to him, to not receive him, to not receive life. Because he only wants good things. Oh, he just loves you. He just loves you to pieces and he wants to give you everything. I promise you that. I'll give you a moment to pray. And I'd like you just to ask Jesus to give you life. And not just any life, but his life. He wants to live his life in you, to pour his life into you. This is a personal thing for him. Jesus wants to give you all the life that he has. His life as a man, his life as God, he wants to give you everything. So let's ask him, Jesus, please fill me with your life.